Hi, and welcome to another episode of Not Another Bad Movie Podcast with me, Megan Tripp. Today, we have a returning guest of the podcast, John Ryan. Hey, John. Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being back. So, uh, you were saying your wife declined watching with you? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Both times that I've been on the podcast, I have offered to watch with my wife, and she has in no uncertain terms, turn me down. So <laughs> That is both reasonable and disappointing. <laughs> yeah. I did not expect to spend my Friday night watching Best Friends Betrayal alone. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a Lifetime movie, Best Friends Betrayal, and uh, it's... It's got murder in it. I I feel it a little does. disappointed because, like, there's so many different types of betrayal. Like, it could be identity theft or like, I don't know, someone sleeping with your man or something. But it's always like, and then she starts killing people, and it's like, wow, this escalated quickly. Yeah, I, from the description of the movie, I I was pretty sure it was going to turn into a murder fest, but. I was also kind of hoping it might have been like uh, try to take her place or something. You know, the betrayal is she like uh, tries to steal her life. But yeah, no, a single white killing. female situation. Yeah, no, just killing her ass. Yes. <laughs> so this movie starts with a brown haired little girl. Um, I don't know if we catch her name at the beginning, but we may. It's Katie, and she gets made fun of because she brings a tuna fish sandwich to school. Yes, they call her Tuna Breath, which I imagine in middle school is devastating. Yeah, I mean, middle school is is pretty much that way, (laughs) where... Like every insult just makes you feel more and more isolated from the group. It doesn't matter if it's like clever or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, at and that age, tent a... kind of is the only thing that matters. You can just tell yeah. that they're, they're being mean at you. Um, then a blonde girl sits down next to her and says, We should draw together. So they do, and then we cut to Katie in a coffee shop with a blonde, and she's doing, like, mandalas or whatever. Yes. So we know, oh, it's still Katie, because <laughs> she still likes yes, to draw. Yes, that's a, that's a show-don't-tell masterpiece there. <laughs> um. We do we get a sense of how long the blonde has been living um, in this town? No, I mean you get a sense that they have been friends for some amount of time, but you don't really get. They they talk about the I can't remember the name of the place, Generic Falls or whatever, um, but they kind of <laughs> talk about it with an outsidery kind of feel. So because I don't want to get too far ahead but they refer to Nick as sort of like a hometown person yeah Uh, 
Nick is going to be there to um, sign books. Uh, he's a crime writer and he's going to release his second book soon. And the blonde lady named Jess, or no, yes, Jess, she's the event planner for. Yeah, so it wasn't. So is that her job? She's just like an event planner, like sort of. Yeah. People hire. She like. Okay. Later, she helps out with because somebody's later, wedding. Right. So I wasn't sure if she was a, a wedding planner who took book openings on the side, or <laughs> if she's just sort of a generic event planner. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, generic event planner definitely sounds more this movie speed. <laughs> I guess if you live in a small town, you can't just like be a, a wedding planner. There's not enough weddings, so you just kind of take on everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, because they they also have the the discussion um, because it's Jess and Katie, and they're drinking very hot coffee um, because every time they serve, uh, Katie gives Jess the coffee. She notes how hot it is or says <laughs> something about the heat i don't remember but uh he mentioned uh jess should move into quinceaneras ah uh. yeah i just remembered she mentions yeah because she also mentions like oh and the blank kid doesn't turn 13 for another six months or something like that so i'm guessing saying that he or she is gonna have a bar about mitzvah yeah so she is an event planner gotcha yeah um, and Katie runs the coffee shop, which is strange because she, I mean, sometimes she's there and she's working and she has employees who work there also, but most of the time when she and Jess are hanging out, it's the morning and it's like, shouldn't you be, you know, giving people coffee? It's your business yeah, time. Yeah, because we see her flip it from open, uh, from closed to open and yeah, I, and they, they're sort of a person behind the counter with her that's like moving around and do i guess that person takes over when she wants to hang out with jess but yeah you would think she would be putting in a little bit more work at that place she owns right (laughs) it's it's strange she seems to have like all the time in the world to just do yoga i don't know if they do that once a week or every day they go to yoga a lot in this movie, though. They do. They There's definitely a lot of exposition yeah. while they're doing it's, yoga. The, the problem I had, well, I had a few problems, but the main problem I had with this movie was how long is this taking? Like, it, has this been weeks or days or like, <laughs> where are we? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Here? I I think time maybe doesn't exist in generic falls. Like <laughs> That's quite possible. <laughs> like Nick is going to go back to New York and it's going to be actually like 23, like 2300. Oh no. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Narnia where it's like, you've been gone for like five minutes, even though it seemed like you were gone for years. <laughs> um, so yeah, hometown boy Nick uh, comes in and uh, they have, before the book signing, he talks to uh, Jess a little bit and she kind of negs him and says, yeah, your first book was better, but 
uh, I still really liked your second yeah, part or something. She, she says something about, like, the characters felt more real in the first one. It was, yeah, it was a weird opening. It was like, hey, uh, welcome to this event and book signing. Uh, this new book is trash, but, hey, I gotta get paid, so. <laughs> I think it's supposed to show that, like, she actually paid attention and actually read it and she's not just like blowing smoke up his ass but it is a weird thing especially at the mo- at that moment she doesn't know that he's gonna stay in town for any time so it's like you're doing an event for someone you're never gonna see them again what's the harm in just being like oh yeah it was a really fun thriller I enjoyed it a lot I think you know this is gonna sell really well for you or something you know like there's no need to give yeah. like your critique i guess that just shows how real jess is you know not like those those fake people in new york oh i'm sure that's very generic falls yes. of her to like actually say what she thinks yeah at one point she says i think this is in that same scene but she talks about the stuffy times versus the the real fans it's like the stuffy New York Times, like that is the the highest of highbrow, is the New York Times book review. Yeah, she is like trying to make him feel better because yeah. I guess he got a bad review in it. But it is like one of the major drivers for authors, like being able to sell their work is getting in good with like established. Uh, critics um, so (laughs) he's not concerned for nothing I know nothing about book publishing but he immediately (laughs) Um, I don't know that much either to be honest (laughs) but he immediately takes to her I guess because she's so real and um, the intern like can tell that there's like a little something yes something that's uh, Anna and she runs off and does an errand mm-hmm. um, and then <laughs> my favorite part is they show a sheet cake did you see what the sheet cake said on it doesn't it say like happy book signing Nick Moore or something like that <laughs> yeah I think so it looks like they wrote the name event or like the cake place, they were like, "Yeah, it's for a book signing for Nick Moore." And the guy like had the tube thing and was like, "Got it," and was writing out <laughs> book signing for Moore. Yeah, like originally it was just supposed to say congratulations, and they were explaining, "Yeah, we want a congratulations cake at this event," but instead he just put like the entire <laughs> sentence. On it's the like cake. the I don't know if you watch Jack Horseman, uh... but there's a running joke where Paul F. Tompkins' character doesn't understand like how. Uh, banner making works and so his banners always end up with all of his instructions it's like mr peanut butter unfortunately (laughs) was working at the cake shop that day so yeah (laughs) i uh tried to like grab a screenshot of it but it like it went by so fast that i like couldn't get it and one time i tried to like rewind and it wouldn't let me like fast forward later so i had to like sit through another 20 minutes all over again i was like i'm not doing that yeah no i i I had freedom to rewind and fast forward because i bought this so i I am the proud (laughs) owner of best friends the trash i can go back and watch it my leisure (laughs) 
<laughs> Which I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, no. There's just there's so many little things that you miss, you know? Like, a character is drawing, and then the next scene, the older version of that character is also drawing. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing that you gotta, you gotta watch a couple times to yeah. really catch. After the book signing event, Nick wants to go grab pizza with Jess. Jess says, I already have plans with my friend Katie. He says, bring Katie along. And then Katie has her phone with her, and it's charged, and it's working, but she just never puts her eyeballs in the direction of her phone. Yeah, that, that didn't make sense, especially given sort of how overbearing she becomes as the movie goes on. Like, really? She didn't, like, she wasn't glued to the phone trying to figure out where Jess was when she didn't show up? I thought that, that was a super... Yeah. Like, even... Sorry, go ahead. I just think, like, even, like, a normal friend who wants to hang out with you would try to yeah. look at their phone to see where you were. Yeah, I thought that that was super weird. I'd appreciate, though, uh, when they were making the plans, Jess was very specific about the kind of drink she wanted. She wanted a burrito with one of those little umbrellas. And then at the bar, there's a margarita with one of those little umbrellas. I mean, she's the kind of woman who gets what she wants. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, everyone's got their specific drink that they want when they go to the the bar you know some people you know some writers want like their whiskey and some people like vodka she wants a margarita with a tiny umbrella um nick takes jess home she's been a little gun shy because she used to be with this guy marco darko marco we know this because she yeah she mentions him when she was hanging out with katie and then that's the end of their date, right? Yeah, they get to, and they clearly are getting along. Um, and then, yeah, they go back. And I think that it's at the end of this date where, like, Nick is saying that he wants to see her more. Or, like, he would like to see her again. And she's sort of like, I don't know. And he just drops, whoever hurt you, it wasn't me. Which is a wild thing to say on a first date. Like, it's a, it's a very leap from, like, I don't know, I had, like, a bad relationship to, like, you, listen, whoever traumatized you, I am I am not that person. It's like, maybe wait until day three, <laughs> wait until, like, you've eaten a, a meal at a table before up in that. <laughs> it's, like, a good line, but everything in this movie is so accelerated yes. so that everything happens, like, way before it should. Yeah, like... We don't know what day it is, but we know that things are moving too fast. That was strange, because I feel like you could easily cover that in dialogue. Like, you guys have only known each other for two weeks, or for a month, and you want to move in together? Or, you know, like, that's all you have to do. But she's just like, you guys are moving too fast. That's all that Katie says this entire movie, is like, you guys are moving too fast. And you can't tell... If Katie's like saying a true thing, or if she's yeah, just I mean, being, at certain, you know, like, overbearing. I mean, that, okay, they have only known each other for five days, or it could be like it's been six months. Yeah, it's totally. Time moves differently in generic falls. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. Is the next thing the brick? Uh, I think. Is there something before? I have down here Lada Yoga Talk. So I think they have their first, like, yoga meeting where she mentions that, like, she she went out with Nick. Oh, yeah, she Uh, says, like, it turned into into a real date or whatever. And then Katie says, how was the date? And she goes, it wasn't a date, which I've seen someone for <laughs> between drafts but yeah it's almost like the pages got like dropped and then picked up in the wrong order yeah and they were like like it was supposed to be like how was the date it wasn't a date well i guess it kind of was a date and then it didn't actually come out that way at all no but yeah i think that that's the they because i have yeah a lot of yoga talk uh and then I also have the quote, not hard on the eyes, though I think Anna says that. So I don't, I might have gotten a little. Oh, yeah, yeah. the intern. Which is true. The guy that plays Nick is not no, hard a, on the eyes. No, he's a good cat. When he showed up, I was like, okay, I get it. Never <laughs> betrayal may be coming from the best friend. <laughs> and why someone after like being in a bad relationship might want to jump into a new relationship he's very charming and attractive so it's like okay yeah and he's like immediately wild about jess like he is immediately enamored and wants to spend time with her and you know is like hanging on her every word um and i mean the script doesn't give her very much in way of like character or personality so it's a little hard you're sort of like okay i get that the plot deeds him to fall for her but i would like to know her last name just just for starters be a, a good start <laughs> to the the characterization you just know she plans events she has one specific drink and she has an intern she is in the words of her intern good yeah, yeah i mean it wouldn't even take a lot Oh, I was just saying, you know, you could even have her say something kind of corny about like, oh, I love being an event planner because I love experiencing all the fun, exciting moments in other people's lives. That's like right. a lovely thing to be a part of. And then it's like, oh, OK, I know something no, about I mean, her, get... but so I don't know that we even get that much throughout the movie. And at one point, Jess mentions that it used to be lady boss, but then it was shortened to boss. And so I thought there was going to, you know, she's a very career driven you know, no time for love sort of person, but that's not really what they do. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she has the sort of job where you don't need to be in the office all the time, like you're working with, like, vendors and clients or whatever, but, you know, because there's so much crazy stuff that happens in this movie, we don't really have time to see her, like, doing work very much. (laughs) So she seems like, you know, pretty chill just wants to hang out with her friend and do yoga all the time yeah her daily schedule is she goes and gets coffee with her friend she has yoga with her friend uh nothing happens for the next eight hours and then she meets up with nick seems to be the the daily routine pretty much yeah but yeah so she, um. she yeah like you said she and they end up going on another date and they end up back at her place and they're having wine i believe yeah and that's when a brick gets thrown through the window yes 
and that's kind of it. Like, <laughs> there's there, there's not a lot of dramatic tension to the scene. There's a brick gets thrown through the window. Nick runs out and does a very unconvincing job of being like aggressive. Like he just sort of like literally like puffs out his chest and he's just like looking around sort of more bewildered than angry. Um, so clearly, you know, he's trying to show like, ah, I'll defend her, but I don't know if it's the character or the actor, but does not work for me. Yeah. Do, do they call? Yeah. Do they call the police that night? Do we see them talk to um, the police later? I believe in the next yoga scene, Katie asks, did you call the police? <laughs> and Jess says, yes. So we know that the police have been notified. Okay. So there's a reason I don't remember seeing that scene is because it didn't happen. Yeah, no, they just sort of it. like... They realize, like, oh, it's weird that they didn't mention calling the police. So Katie goes, did you call the police? And Jess goes, yes. And then they move on to how she doesn't even really know Nick. Right. I have to admit, I think I took notes, but <laughs> I can't find them. So I, I <laughs> if you know what happens after um, this, that'll be great. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's the yoga scene where they talk about that. And then uh, that night, Jess is in her house. She... I guess is heating something up in the microwave, though the microwave is clearly empty, so it looks like she just starts the microwave up for two, two and a half minutes to gently irradiate her kitchen. Uh, and a guy comes in, uh, clearly drunk, um, and it turns out that it's Marco. Darko Marco, as Anna calls him. Um, so I think by now we know that he was an alcoholic and that he was abusive. I think uh, Jess might have told Nick at dinner before she goes home to heat something up in her microwave to eat. I don't know. Uh, but there's a, a very unsubtle conversation where he's like, uh, I want you back. You're my wife. I never signed the divorce papers, which, by the way, does not make a divorce not binding um so then they're arguing he's he walks past her picks up like a a bottle of wine that has like a third of a bottle left and drains it and then says that's good um so this movie does like a really good subtle sensitive job of depicting alcoholism I mean, would you expect less of the Lifetime channel? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But he, uh, yeah, so then he's he's clearly menacing her, menacing her, and then comes in, sees him, and immediately pepper sprays him. Uh, so he falls down yelling and then kind of just crawls away while Katie... Yep. <laughs> reassures Jess. It's like he's not even out of the house yet. Like they don't make sure that he leaves. He basically just goes no. to the next room. The great thing too is like she pepper sprays him in the face. 
he falls down and then she just keeps spraying like he's a roach yes. and not quite dead yet. She's like, oh, I'm just going to drain the whole thing on you. Yeah, I don't know what proper pepper spray technique is, but that was, that felt excessive. <laughs> I mean, if I were in danger and like legitimately scared, I think I might just do that because I was freaking yes. out. But it does look funny, just because it looks like she's literally looking at him like a bug. <laughs> yep, and he's scurrying away. And I like that the director was like, okay, as soon as he's out of line of sight, he disappears. Not even a problem. <laughs> For all we know, he stays in the house the rest of the movie. He's just, like, wandering around from room to room. Well, yeah, well, they show, like, they cut us later. They cut to him like waking up from a stupor like he's sitting at i guess at like a table and he like picks his head up and he's looking at a picture of him and jess and he goes like oh jess and then like mutters like what did i do and then already opened beer and like takes a sip and then the scene cuts which i guess is supposed to give us some sense of who marco is as a person i'm really that felt like a act on scene yeah i i don't know i guess to show that he's like, like this tortured soul like he both wants her back but is also a mess and yeah so the movie can't. has kind of a weird back and forth on uh marco because at times he's treated as sort of like this like vicious you know abuser um because you know totally unsympathetic to marco whereas jess is like well you know he was sweet at times but you know he had a drinking problem um and so i don't know if that scene was supposed to like make us realize like he is genuinely tormented and he wishes he could be better but he just can't um but ultimately ended up looking like he lives in a closet um and he woke up in the closet uh, and already had an open beer and just like went back, you know, just immediately started drinking again. I mean, for all we know, he does live in a closet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, allegedly he, he lives in the motel, but we never actually see the inside of the motel. So he could have just like been staying in the closet. And the people who actually are staying in the, the room are like, yeah, we didn't want to bother him. <laughs> He, he seemed like he was going through some stuff. I would just love to see like a janitor opening a closet and then a hand coming out, like handing him a mop. <laughs> and he's like, I guess <laughs> that works. I'm not going to ask any questions. So is the next scene where he goes to the bar and gets really drunk and goes up the stairs? Or yes. do we go back to um, Jess and Katie? I th yeah, I think what is... Okay, so he's... They show Nick and Jess together. I think because I have great pepper spray technique, even better champagne technique. And I'm trying to remember what possible thought process that was. What, yeah, opening champagne? Yeah, because Nick just like kind of twists off the champagne. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what it is is they're together. Nick and Jess are together. They're having dinner. He's pouring her some champagne. Then katie comes by with like a welcome home basket that includes an enormous pepper spray like a riot gear pepper spray like what you would use to 
disperse a protest. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like she sees that's your that first Nick indication that and... your friend Katie is not quite right. Yeah, and I like how Nick is like momentarily like, "Oh, that's super weird. Like that's a lot. That's like military grade." pepper spray why does why did she give you that and then he's like all right well anyway time to get back to this dinner (laughs) but yeah so i think they show that and it cuts to marco drinking at the bar he goes home the motel he sees someone and asks like what are you doing here um and then he is pushed uh and falls down and is dead so now we have our first murder yes and that's when we first meet the cop and now i'm trying to remember i think the yes the cop the cop who is oddly close to jess and katie like he's almost like a like a father or like yeah. a friendly uncle figure to them like he's always though he's awful at his job because he's like yeah i think this guy killed him he's out on bail and uh you know so just try to kind of keep your head down it's like you can't you don't park like someone at her house or something like there's a murderer loose there's only eight people who live in this town he's like i got six months until retirement i'm just barely putting in any effort at this point it's all good it's fine we're actually going to find out that generic falls has like a similar murder rate to the the little hamlet from uh murder she wrote oh right (laughs) where it's like there are only 130 people in the town but the murder rate is like 40 a year (laughs) he's like listen i i can't i can't be dealing with every motel murder that comes along (laughs) i think it's the same actor who was in uh junk i forget it there was some another lifetime movie i didn't record a podcast on it. i just was watching it but it was like a stripper something <laughs> yes you you could tell me the actual title was stripper something and i'd be like sure lifetime <laughs> i don't know it was about um a stripper who thought that he had like a special moment with someone and then tries to break up her engagement uh with this with her fiance and you know murders a few people naturally anyways he the cop in that is the same one as in this one (laughs) there's actually they're building up for the the small town cop universe it's going to be like the mcu yeah (laughs) he's he's the the except the only I was just gonna say he's the he's like the Iron Man or the Nick Fury of the Avengers. Yeah, I was gonna say he's the Nick Fury. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then I think what happens is um, yeah we we meet the cop for the first time, uh, and then I guess he does he call Jess or tell her in person? I don't remember how she gets the news. No, I do. They were they're in I think Katie's house because they're like sitting next to each other, and the the cop is sitting across and goes like, "Yeah, you know, I 
he could have, you know, he's very drunk. He could have just fallen, um, or he could have been pushed. We don't know. I'm going to, you know, he's clearly not excited to do any investigating, but he knows he has to say, I'm going to do some investigating. (laughs) Just in case these people think that, you know, I should care about my job. I'm going to pretend I care just a little bit. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I'm going to dust for fingerprints on the stairs or something. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look at a couple of pictures of his shoe, like his shoe print and then different shoe prints and try to match them. Um, this is where Nick says, um, well, I guess he's out of our life or something equally cold. And then Jess is like, yeah, but he was still a person and we still had some good time together. Yeah, Nick immediately is like, I'm, I'm glad he's dead. He might like... He might as well say, like, I am a I am a person of interest in this crime. <laughs> Seriously. He's like, yeah, he was, he was, at one point he refers to Marco as a piece of human garbage. And I was like, whoa, Nick. Whoa. You need to calm down. Yeah. You're getting too excited, man. They also show him ominously cutting up a tomato while he's saying this. They like, like, they show... <laughs> like oh his knife skills are far too good because they like they show it from like katie's perspective and he's rubbing like he slides the knife across the cutting board i guess to like clean it but it looks like he's like sharpening it and then he he's Mm -hmm. holding the the tomato and i was like yeah he is definitely gonna murder that tomato (laughs) um i don't know why but in that scene i was just like taken aback by how quickly uh katie is drinking her tea with that much steam coming off it i was like you're gonna burn yourself what are you doing (laughs) i get i i I think that there there must be like a very high tolerance for hot drinks (laughs) either between those two friends or maybe just in all of generic falls because like i said every time she gives at the coffee she's like it's piping hot I know. They do I'm like aware coffees. of. I understand how coffee works. <laughs> um, at this point, Katie is acting kind of suspicious and jumpy, and I think the audience is supposed to think that she thinks that Nick is the killer. Um, but it's pretty obvious she's afraid of being caught because yes. she's the killer. <laughs> Honestly, I was kind of hoping that this movie would do like a, a last minute head fake and it would turn out that Nick actually was the killer because that would have at least been like an interesting like subversion of like, look at this paranoid friend, but it turns out she's not paranoid and nope, none of that. I was hoping that it was going to be a twist with the um, intern. Ooh, yeah. Like we think that. Katie is the one who's like the best friend who's obsessed but really it's the intern who's the best friend who's obsessed but like no (laughs) yeah I think at one point I wrote down like oh maybe Anna's the one who's killing people Um, because they later in the movie they definitely show I get crush on Jeff it's not clear because he kind of makes it seem like Anna is infatuated with Jess and you know is trying to you know start some kind of relationship but jess keeps saying like it was was, she was just having fun she was just being silly it's like uh, uh, okay 
movie. Yeah, I think... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. That's a little farther along in the movie. We have some more... Oh, yeah, that's true. Yoga scenes to get to. (laughs) More coffee to drink and more yoga scenes. Um, Yes. Katie tries to get Nick to be a person of interest in the investigation. And... Um, she reads a bit of the first novel or I don't know, maybe the second novel to, um, the police officer and is like, see, somebody got like pushed down a flight of stairs and died. And that's how Marco died. And so if Nick is thinking about that, then he is obviously like a killer and he killed Marco and the police officer is like, uh, I mean, you can tell your friend not to date, I guess, but like, I'm not going to do anything about this information because he's a writer and it's a ridiculous lead that isn't really a lead. <laughs> yeah. He, so two things, every time he is at the coffee shop, he makes clear that he loves the coffee. He is very much trying to be supportive of small business. He's like, coffee is great. I love this coffee. Um, it's like, dude, focus. There are murders going on. Um, but yeah, she's like, well, isn't yeah, it suspicious? Isn't it suspicious that like he, he wrote about pushing someone down the stairs and then this guy gets pushed down the stairs and that cop's like, yeah, I guess. Sure. I'll take a look. Like he, I think multiple times in this movie, the cop says, yeah, I'll take a look. Which doesn't mean the thing. He's not, he's not no. doing anything with that information. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, so they, I know that after Marco dies, there's this, another yoga scene where Katie remarks to Nick, like, she's done a hundred chaturangas or something like that to deal with it, um, which I was like, okay, someone Googled yoga terms. Um, <laughs> and then he gets her tickets to a concert uh for an indie band he saw in new york using that writerly uh specificness that we've come to enjoy in the movie um (laughs) and he's like no i'm not gonna bring her you should bring her like you're her best friend i think that would be the best thing and i was like oh that's actually like a pretty good little character thing of like he understands that he's new and doesn't really want to like muscle in and so he's trying to get on katie's good side while also still helping jess it's like okay that actually works yeah i felt bad for nick because katie is so quick to hate him even before marco dies um she's just like he's muscling in on our time together he's coming to yoga with us he's like coming to coffee with us and you know you're moving too fast and i don't like it and so he he realizes that you know, he, he's not on her good side. and You know, Jess is important to him, so he's going to try and make good with the friend. Yeah. So that was nice. I mean, I will admit he showed up to the yoga. I was like, all right, man, maybe you need to chill out. Like, you're moving <laughs> you're moving too fast for me, and I'm not dating you. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, it was very clear that that actor was not going to be doing any of the, like, at least Jess and Katie, like, do a little bit of yoga in the yoga scene. So it's like, okay, yeah, I guess it's, it was very clear. He was like, I'm showing up with a mat, and then I am sitting down. You will not be getting me doing any <laughs> yoga. I, I would love to see outtakes where, like, they show him trying to do different 
poses and he keeps like falling over and they're like you know what why don't you just sit yeah. down and and that'll be fine the, the instructor is <laughs> like uh this is actually like a high level yoga class like you're very clearly a beginner you need to you're disrupting the class <laughs> or more more likely what will happen is the the instructor will immediately recognize author nick moore hometown hero and be like you're nick moore and then like spend a couple of seconds trying to remember the name of his one book <laughs> like i understand like there are a couple of novelists or authors that i could potentially like recognize on like i could recognize stephen king if i bumped into him but he's a very distinctive I'm looking pretty... person though <laughs> right exactly like there's a reason to to know what stephen king looks like like or like George R. R. Martin. Sure, I could probably tell that that's that guy. But like, I don't know what Dean Koontz looks like. <laughs> you know, if Michael Connolly bumped into me, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, you're Michael Connolly. You wrote The Lincoln Lawyer. <laughs> but Unless he was wearing in a, small like town. A, a name tag, then you'd be like, oh. He'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. You wrote the, I think you were the Bosch novels. And he'd be like, yes or no depending on whether or not i was correct in that reference <laughs> or he'd be potentially a different uh man my brain just blanked what did we say <laughs> michael connelly yes there we go he'd be like no i'm a different michael connelly it's a common enough name that this happens a lot <laughs> yeah no it's actually weird that you assumed i was a famous author rather than just some <laughs> guy named michael <laughs> it's like um that wesley snipes thing from 30 rock (laughs) (laughs) i look like a wesley snipes (laughs) anyways so i think at this point is this where we find out his dark secret oh yeah katie has discovered something about him and shared that information with jess and then jess sits down with him to be like i found out something about you and the thing that she found out is that he has a son that he doesn't like do anything with i don't know if how she knows that he's like a deadbeat dad yeah it's weird she jumps from like you have a son to you hid your illegitimate son you don't recognize from me or something like that but i just want to note that katie finds out this information by going into mega search (laughs) putting in uh the so she finds out that Nick had a serious girlfriend in high school named, like, something Townsend, or Mary Townsend, so she puts in Mary Townsend, and it comes up with Mary Townsend and her son, Brendan Townsend, and the movie. So one thing I did want to note about this movie that was a little, it had a kind of a gross undertone, was that Nick is, like, African-American, and so there's kind of a weird grossness in the movie having this white woman like try to frame this black man for a bunch of murders um yeah that's already uncomfortable enough and then we get like would you have gone with a storyline about being a deadbeat dad if he wasn't a black actor yeah yeah that was but it does lead to a very clearly like photoshopped look so and even it's like Brendan Townsend is the son and he wins a writing award and Mary Townsend is a very white woman and her son Brendan is a very 
clearly African-American teen. And it's like, oh, okay, thanks, movie. We, we wouldn't have been able to piece that together without a young black man who who is a very good writer also. <laughs> I would have loved if we, like, went over to, like, a pad of paper and she, like, writes down his age and then like writes down the year that he must have been born and then like writes down the year that they were dating and she's like it's the same year <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of like super sleuthing in this very basic like logical deductions but jess is horrified yeah. that he has abandoned his son and ran off to new york to be a big famous novelist and so she breaks it off yeah. with him he like I mean she's kind of saying I don't care what you have to say like I know that you have a son and you didn't tell me you had a son which means you're hiding it from me so we can't be together um, and then later he approaches her and explains that his girlfriend didn't want anything more to do with him and I guess I don't know this is another scene where it's actually kind of very sweet and good natured he says like i offered to marry her um she didn't want that for her or her son you know she didn't want to to be married to someone who she didn't love so she just asked that i not contact him so that she could raise him the way she wanted and i said okay and she met a man who she actually did love and he became her father uh he became Brendan's father and that's you know I've never met him it's actually kind of a, like a heartbreaking sort of like okay that's that's a really rough choice for Nick you know like what do you how do you deal with that situation um, and it is like the second time in the movie where I was like oh it's actually like a really yeah. just just showed like the fundamental decency of besides Nick. thinking that Marco is human garbage he's a good guy <laughs> Yeah, then I mean that, like that's a another problem of characterization. It's like he you know is a very nuanced and kind of kind person except for Marco. Maybe he <laughs> did kill him. Like we're going to we're going to find out Katie's like, "No, I did other things, but I definitely didn't kill Marco." I loved that. <laughs> and Nick's just there like if like Katie was responsible for some things but not all the things. In the end it turns out Katie's responsible right. for absolutely everything. Yes. Spoiling. <laughs> Including throwing herself off a parking That's garage. That's wild. So she's going to go home and then Nick is already at Jess's place and offers to give her a ride. And she's like, no, I'm mad at you because, I don't know, you're illegitimate son or whatever. <laughs> and well, Yeah, because Nick like explains the situation to Jess and Jess takes him back. Um, and Katie is furious because she'd gotten rid of him, and so she storms out. So, d did she drive there? Um, the next time we see her, she's walking in a parking garage, so I don't know if, I think she left and, like, walked. I have no idea how large Generic Falls is, to be honest. Like, everything could have been on the same two-block, like, square. Possibly. Because then they, because sh they show she leaves, and Nick is... <laughs> Nick says something like she hasn't let she's never liked me and we're gonna have it out tonight it's like that's 
dude, even if you have completely innocent intentions, that's not a good way to phrase that. That's not a good way to tell the person you're dating. Like, that's, you really don't want to handle things that way. And I understand, like, trying to catch her as she goes to her car or as she, like, walks away. But, like, he gets into his car and starts, like, stalking her with his car. And I'm like, okay, like, you'll see her around. It's not like you don't know where she is. Like, she lives in this town. You'll see her later. You don't have to talk to her tonight about it. Like, it's fine. Just give it a day. Right. And he's, like, yeah, he's driving around. He's, like, looking for her. It's like, how is it? This is going to help. This is your way of dealing with the situation. You're going to make her like you by tracking her down at night and yelling at her like I was like Nick I'm not saying you're the killer but I'm saying that this is some this is some killer behavior you're doing right now <laughs> like it's just for one it's you know on the face of it it's an inappropriate way to like deal with someone who doesn't like you and for two like, have you no self-preservation? You're just going to be, like, driving around yelling at a woman. Right. <laughs> and then people don't know that you know each other. Like, don't do that, Nick. <laughs> That's a very bad idea. It's just a, yeah, very poor planning. And especially, you're a crime novelist. <laughs> like, come on, man. You've definitely had someone, like... <laughs> no. Though, to be clear, I'm not sure that he's a crime novelist more than he just writes, like, murder fic. Like, there's never any, like police or any, like every description of the books which in fairness are like we only see when katie is reading them but they're all like we all need to kill i went to kill her with my killing killings and then she died because i need to kill it's like okay i kind of get why she might be a little worried about her friend dating you <laughs> yeah his books are creepy I, I assume they go between the point of view of the killer and, like, the person investigating the murder, but we don't actually get anything other than the killer perspective. Yeah, we only get the killer perspective, and it's in Nick's voice. And you're like, did he just write, he wrote, like, a 500-page first-person novel about being a serial killer? Like, <laughs> I would also be uncomfortable hanging out with this dude. I would not want him driving around at night trying to find me. <laughs> um... But then we see, I don't know, headlights approaching her and then she falls over and then she's in a different place waking up and she's like, I don't know, does it show in that cut that she's like glad that she managed that or is that later? No, that's later. Okay. So they actually, they do the thing that I don't like and I think they did this also in the other movie that I watched for this podcast. Um where they show like the lights and the car coming towards her and then she like yells and then it cuts to Jess is going to the coffee shop and the coffee shop is closed and it's usually by then so she knows that there's something wrong. Um, and that's when the cop pulls up and he's like, your friend Katie is in trouble. You got to come with me. Um, but we find out later that what actually happened is Katie threw herself off a parking garage to like frame Nick. And I was like, nah, movie, you can't, explicitly show me a car hitting her and then later be like nah never mind it was actually she threw herself off like you got it you can't lie to me you can yeah. insinuate but you can't lie to me like it'd be one thing if we hear a car approaching her and she's running and then later we see her that that she's running to the side to jump off of it and that the car wasn't actually near her but right. the way they do it is ridiculous <laughs> yeah 
Like, they very explicitly show her getting, like, she is going to be hit by a car. Which, in my mind, was like, oh, maybe she's working with Anna. Like, maybe Uh... she had, like, maybe they're, they have some, like, plot between the two of them to to protect Jess from Nick or something like that. Uh, So at the end, when it turned out, they're like, no, we just lied. We just showed you a thing that didn't happen. (laughs) Like, oh, all right. I know. It's, uh, anyways. (laughs) They're like, we edited it so that you're dumb. And it's like, what? You lied. (laughs) Yeah. I guess the next scene is like them in the hospital together, Jess and Katie. Yes, where the dramatic reveal where... I think Jess asks her, like, did you see who ran you down? And Katie's like, yes. And of course, she says it was Nick. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, in fairness, Nick, you did not help your case by driving around like a lunatic all night (laughs) trying to find her. And then he comes home late, and for some reason, Jess is sleeping on her own couch. I guess waiting up for him. But Oh, maybe. I don't know, but she comes in, like, he comes in, and she's sleeping on the couch, and he, like kisses her and then goes off to like a bedroom or something so i i don't know i thought that was like a weird setup i guess they wanted to do that like slightly menacing thing of like nick is a bad guy and she's asleep and now he's here and it's like okay right (laughs) is this tension i i guess this counts as tension yeah because and the idea is like oh he came home late and she's like did you find her and he says no i'll talk to her tomorrow it's like, oh, you did find her with your car. <laughs> it was strange because we never really see Katie talking to the cop very much. So she says it's Nick, but like she never like explains, well, I know what Nick's car looks like and he had been following me earlier. So that's how I knew it was Nick who hit me. She's just like, I saw him. And it's like, it's night. You saw into someone's car at night and were able to identify them. Right, that doesn't like, make sense. They were driving fast enough to cause physical injury to you but you were able to to at night see in past their headlights and recognize that it was yeah it's like all right that doesn't make any sense but so then we get a scene of the cop going to nick's house and very polite very politely like asking him to come with him he's a small town cop he's always very polite yeah but it's like okay this guy committed at least, like, assault with a deadly weapon. Like, if you hit someone with your car on purpose, that is, a, like, a serious yeah. felony. And he, he shows up and he's like, all right, I gotta bring you down to the station. Like, he might as well have been, he might as well have been like, all right, Nick, uh, why don't you follow me? Uh, we'll go to the <laughs> station. It's like, no, he's suspecting a serious crime. <laughs> By the way, as a, a budding lawyer, there were a couple of things, especially around Nick getting bail and like them just talking about the court proceeding where i was like guys you didn't even do the most cursory of research like you you didn't even do like watch an episode of law and order level research how would all that work in reality um in reality if a guy so again even leaving aside the racial undercurrent of the the movie like if you run someone down with your car you don't get off on like the kind of bail that a writer can afford uh, like he would be in or more likely he would be considered like a, a flight risk because he's like if he's wealthy enough to pay that bail he's probably wealthy, wealthy enough to like run back to new york but at one point jess asks the cop will there be a trial and the cop says not unless he plea bargains which is the exact opposite of how plea bargains work 
So will there be a trial? Not unless he plea bar. So you don't plead guilty to get a trial. That's not how that works. So Right, because you wouldn't need to ascertain the guilt or innocence of a person. Right, you're admitting your guilt in, guilty. <laughs> in exchange for a lighter punishment. So, And also the plea bargain isn't like on the defendant they don't like go to the prosecutor and say like i'll plead guilty to this and you'll let me go like that's not really how the power (laughs) dynamics work yeah they they don't initiate that that's not within (laughs) their abilities it's just it was a very like the the movie doesn't take seriously that like he committed if nick is actually the the person who ran her down like he committed a violent crime against a woman in like this small town like they're gonna keep him in jail like he's not getting out on bail so he can like and especially he's he's not just gonna be allowed to wander around the town like hanging out with her and her best friend like there would be restraining orders and stuff involved like i mean given the the state of the police work maybe the judge is also like four weeks from retirement and he's like listen (laughs) maybe just can you just do me a solid and be chill man like just be cool I'm, I'm I'm rotating off the bench soon. I'm gonna go to my cabin. Just just be cool. And Nick's like, got it. Yeah, I wonder if this story would have worked better if he's kind of going after her, trying to talk to her, and then she like claims she's being stalked rather than he tried to hit me with his car or he did hit me right. with his car because then that there might be a little more back and forth in terms of like, can you get a restraining order and how does all that work? You know, that might be like fuzzier and there might be, especially if he's like the home, the hometown hero kind of person, maybe they are like, Oh, you just misunderstood or something. Especially if the cop's not a very good cop, (laughs) but it doesn't really make sense the way it's actually laid out in the movie. And again, this is another thing where like, because the movie sets out to make like they it, it faints at Nick being a bad guy, but then ultimately he's always completely innocent. Like other than him being callous about Marco's death, he never actually does anything like bad or wrong. Because the movie does that, there's no like like if he had if we had a scene of him like telling Katie like you need to mind your business and like getting in her face or something like that, you'd be like okay, he's reacting poorly. That's like you know that's creepy bad behavior but ultimately she made up that like she got hit by the car but instead it's he drove around and didn't find her and she jumped off a parking garage which now that i'm thinking about it like yeah he could easily have had an alibi like what if he had just driven around for 10 minutes and then gone home like how did she know that he was still driving around looking for oh no maybe she saw his car i don't know (laughs) it's yeah I mean, the whole thing's silly. Did she plan ahead to do that? Or did she just see his car and was like, I'm just going to throw myself off the side of this um, parking structure and say that I was hit by Nick's car? Yeah. We don't know if it was like pre-planned or in the moment. I also love, uh, there there was another great quote from the cop where he says, uh, when a witness is certain they saw someone, they're usually right. And it's like, no, that is like... (laughs) solidly not the case i i marked that too i was like i mean if if you know the person and they're the one who is assaulting you then i can see that that would be true but like 
it if you're a third party witness, there's like people's memories aren't usually right. that great. Like people are noticeably or like remarkably actually very bad at eyewitness testimony at being able to tell one person from another, especially if they've only seen them. And especially in moments of extreme trauma, like being run down by a car. So even if she had a clear view into the car, which she wouldn't, it's still like the cop wouldn't, a good cop would not be like, yeah, no, she, she probably nailed that identification. I mean, if anything, they should have said, okay, it was in a parking structure. There were, you know, cameras and we can't see the corner where she was hit, but we can see the car that was approaching her and it was Nick's car. Like that would have been an easier way of doing it rather than being like, Oh, well, I guess we have to take her at her word. She's definitely right. (laughs) So I think at this point, Nick is, he's very politely taken to, to jail and then bailed out. The cop is like, yeah, I mean, I think he just says like, yeah, stay in your house. It's like, no dude, that's not, scouts honor and everything um and so i think is this now where anna is trying to get jess to go out with her like to go out drinking and stuff yeah i think so okay because there is the unbelievable exchange where anna says us girls have to stick together and jess says ain't that the truth (laughs) i was like wow sound natural to you (laughs) no oh man just a a real ear for dialogue (laughs) yeah katie is staying at jess's place as she recuperates um but she seems to be moving around pretty well so yeah she has a crutch but she's not using it yeah she seems to more need to stay with someone for emotional support rather than like actual someone to help her around support right um so at first um Jess is like, well, you know, maybe I should stay home. Well, what if you want to come out with me and dance? Oh, you don't. Oh, well, obviously you can't dance, but like you could come. Oh, you don't want to come. I still kind of really want to go. Trying to get um, Katie to give her like permission to go. Right. And finally, Katie's like annoyed, but she's like, you can go if you want to go. It's fine. It's whatever. (laughs) Yeah, there's an interesting like passive aggressive exchange there and also uh katie keeps saying that like the reason she can't go is she has to finish this (laughs) that gratin isn't gonna finish itself john yeah she's like "Uh, i'm making a veggie gratin i can't i can't go i need to finish the gratin i was like okay the word gratin is no longer like it doesn't it's not sound like a word to me anymore (laughs) and then later like when uh so jess goes out with Anna drinking uh, and is drinking, you know, fairly heavily. Um, and they cut back to Katie and she's sending, uh, Jess is sending Katie messages like, you got to come out. It's so much fun. If you don't come out, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. <laughs> and Jess is like, all right, there's another, there's a, there's a good payoff to the grot. <laughs> she, she's a woman who knows what she wants. She wants margaritas. She wants her groton. She, she goes after what she wants. You know, you don't become the only event planner in Generic Falls by not uh, not knowing what you want. <laughs> so, um, Katie goes out there because she feels like, oh, my friend really wants me to go, so I'll go. 
and she sees that um, Anna and Jess share a kiss. And from Jess's perspective, it was all just a bit of fun. But um, it seems pretty obvious that Anna has a crush on her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of hinted at through the movie, and then the movie makes it very not hinted at. I think before... uh, before that happens, by the way, Katie is reading uh, Nick's book again, and there's a great part where Nick, because it's his voice that reads the book, and he just says, the detective had never seen so much blood. <laughs> Not even a name. Like, <laughs> Detective Morrow had never seen so much blood. Just the detective. The detective had never seen, like, he mentioned, like, the murder was very bad. <laughs> The blood was so bloody. It blooded everywhere. But yeah, so Katie goes, sees that they're kissing. Um, at the same time, Nick is driving around and sees that they're kissing. Um, so he drives away in a huff. I think Katie sees him, sees that he was there. She does. Yeah. Um, so Katie, I guess, goes back home. We then see another great scene of drunk acting. So the guy who played Marco gave it 10% of his all pretending to be drunk. Um, And then we get to see Anna also pretending to be drunk. Stumbling around an alleyway, right? Yeah, she tries to go through like the back door of her building and then realizes she's in the wrong place. And then she goes to the front of the building, which is like a well-lit, like, it is not what I would call an ideal murder spot. <laughs> and, like, there's, like, clear glass doors in front of her also. Like, so, like, if anyone was walking by, they would have seen. But no one does. And, unfortunately, Anna is... I think they say she's strangled. They, like, make a point of mentioning that she was strangled. And I don't know if that was supposed to be, like, a, to throw someone off or to go, like, oh, only, you know, only a, a man would be strong enough to, to strangle a woman or something like that. I don't know. But... They make clear that it's a strangulation. Yeah. And then I guess we go to the next day where Jess actually sees that her intern is missing and her friend, the cop, is going around the corner and she chases the cop down to see where he's going, assuming that it's going to involve Anna. Yeah. Cause and it does. Yeah. I think they hear the sirens and she steps out of the coffee shop and then she's like, that's Anna's building and runs over. And then it turns out that Anna, it was in fact Anna who had passed away, which I was like, ah, oh, man, I was kind of hoping Anna would have been the killer. <laughs> I know that would have been more interesting. Once Anna died, I was like, okay, it's pretty clear that it's Katie who's the killer. But, <laughs> I mean, right. we had run out of characters at that point. It was either Nick, which it was obvious that they were going to try and do a switcheroo on us. And, or it was Katie. Yeah. So there was no other <laughs> person it could be. But I was glad that it wasn't in the end that Katie was some like evil lesbian. Because <laughs> I've had enough of that in movies. Yes. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that the. I would not call this movie a win for feminism, but it at least wasn't you know uh, as gross as it could have been. I've definitely seen grosser movies and uh 
if you don't believe me, listen to the episode about Kate's addiction or something. It was real bad <laughs> and made me feel gross for days. Oh boy. <laughs> so I, after Anna dies, obviously Nick becomes the main suspect because he's already allegedly ran down Katie with his car. I think this is when the cop again says like, okay, just stay together in Katie's house until we find him. Do they have a uniform um, there? I don't think they do. Nope. <laughs> so it's like, we could be literally nope. anywhere. It doesn't matter if we're in Katie's house or not. <laughs> yeah. Great job. Yeah, no, his his line of thinking seems to be, if you don't go outside, he can't <laughs> find you. He's an outdoor killer. He only <laughs> kills outdoors. <laughs> That's true. Um, and is this the part where then like, yeah, because then it's like later that night, they're together in Katie's house. Um, and Nick is looking through like the front window. Which, again, Nick, <laughs> what are you doing, bud? Like, you gotta, you, you, at this point, you gotta start covering your tracks. You really want him um, to have a friend who just, like, you know, taps him on the shoulder and is like, buddy, let me help you with some optics here. You need to seem less creepy. Yeah. You, you should be doing some, like, uh, community service or something like that. Really trying to burnish your image right now. Not standing in the dark. And then he he calls, I guess what turns out to be a PI who we never see. I liked that little touch where they, they knock on the door and leave their information for him to find. And they scurry back off into the night, but he, he says, yeah, Katie Sanders. Um, and then like hangs up the phone. He says, money's no object. Uh, so it's very clear that he's trying to get information about her. I th- so at first the, the scene starts where he's like, I have a job for you. Her name is Katie Sanders. And he's like, Oh man, maybe he has like a killer. And then he's like, yeah, money's no object. I need, like, all the information you can find. And you're like, oh, okay, this is less ominous. Still not great, but it's at least just he's looking for information. Yeah, I don't remember what happens next. That's why I'm not jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, no, so I think that's... So Katie and, and Jess bonded... The movie tells us that they bonded over their divorces. So Jess got divorced with, from Marco and... Katie got divorced from Kevin. I yeah. he cheated her and was like really a bad husband. And she tells this story about how she knew because she went to his office and there was a nineteen year old little little redhead who looked at her and smiled and she's like she knew that this was the woman that he was cheating on her with. Um, and so I think that's when she tells this story. Um, Nick calls this PI. I'm guessing. Uh, or something information getter that he has on speed dial apparently asks for information about katie uh, a file is dropped off at his house so he opens it and he you know he's like what i can't believe that like you know, he does the like there is shocking information in this packet face um they cut back to katie and jess and they're they're just doing the usual oh they have a fight where Katie is like, it's it's fine if you like girls, um, but you can't lie to me. Like I saw you kissing her or something. That was sort of a weird, yeah, moment. Because it was like, what what does it matter? <laughs> like if you aren't actually right. against your friend being bi, and she doesn't want to come out as bi yet, or then let her not. And if she says that she isn't, then maybe she isn't. So it's fine yeah that was where you're like because 
to be clear, from the beginning of the movie, Katie is never, like, great with boundaries, but she at least, like, you can understand where, okay, she's just, like, overly protective, but not, like, creepily so, sort of. And this is the first moment where you're like, oh, wait, hold on. Like, no, this is weird behavior. Like, stop accusing your friend of lying about her sexuality about this thing, like, and lying to you. But, yeah, after they have that fight, there's the the climax or where Nick knocks on a door and meets Kevin and they go inside and he's talking to Kevin. He says that he's doing a nonfiction book on a woman you might know, Katie. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would he be, he's writing, he's a crime novelist doing a nonfiction book about a coffee shop owner. Yeah. It only makes sense Uh, if like someone was brutally murdered or something like he should right, have said like if he was saying like, doing it on anna and the people she kn- knew in her life like did you know anna okay did you know katie <laughs> right but they uh they talk about how they kevin says yeah that he knew katie in high school and nick says so you guys were high school sweethearts and kevin is like no and he's like well you were married and kevin's like <laughs> no and so he says honey uh i think you should come in here and a blonde woman comes in and sits down and asks what's going on and she and has here is where we get the yes here is where we get the the big the big switcheroo that the movie has done on us would you like to to tell the audience what it is well audience if you thought that the fact that you saw a brunette girl and a blonde girl hanging out at the beginning and then it immediately cut to a brunette woman who's the same woman and a blonde woman who's her friend and you thought oh that blonde woman's probably the same blonde girl from earlier then you're an idiot because (laughs) she didn't have pigtails but this woman on the couch with kevin has pigtails so obviously she is the one who uh wanted to draw with child katie and she was the best friend of child katie until she started dating Kevin and then Katie got jealous and pushed him down the stairs. That's right. Her calling bum, bum, card. Bum. <laughs> that and strangling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she kinda she kinda moved away from her forte. <sighs> but it was but yeah. kinda funny because the girl as a woman, she's saying, you know, we always thought that she was really uh, disturbed because she did that and then she uh, stopped going to our school and then we heard that she like went to uh, did she go to like an institution or she like had hurt a lot of other people at a lot of no, different she schools says like we, we, yeah we all heard that she went to an institution <laughs> like, what year <laughs> but it sounded realistic to me because middle schoolers coming up with nonsense to tell each other about a kid you don't know anymore is like peak middle school nonsense. <laughs> oh yeah, she could have just like moved across town. Right. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no, she, she got into such a bad fight with Bigfoot that she had to go to an institution. <laughs> she's a dangerous girl who's going around pushing everybody. You're like, yeah, no, she's now the Three Rivers push killer. <laughs> she's responsible for 13 deaths. <laughs> yeah, very so, yeah, annoying. Now, now that we know that she has a history of pushing, 
uh, I think they cut back to Jim and Katie, and Katie slips and accidentally mentions the blonde woman uh, that her husband cheated on her with, and Jess is like, whoa, you said redhead. And Katie's like, whoa, whatever. And she's like, no. And this is where, like, the movie, again, has a really weird timeline where Jess realizes the entire fabric of her friendship with Katie is based on them having remarkably similar divorces, where Jess is like, yeah, so, wait a minute, were you lying about that? Were you, because the only reason we became friends is because we both got divorced and you knew what I was going through. And Katie immediately is like, yeah, but, like, you needed a friend, so I just, like, I, I lied about that. It's like, oh, you broke quickly, yeah. Katie. <laughs> it was weird because Katie had said that her husband, like, had cheated on her numerous times with numerous people. So she could have been like, you know, I just said some blonde because there's probably some blonde in the mix as well. But instead, she's like, oh, I don't remember. And then as soon as she gets pushed on it again, she's like, okay, I lied about having a husband and about him cheating on me and about the divorce. And I was just trying to get you to like me. And it's like, if you're a pathological liar, why is it so easy for you to just be like, never mind? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. It was just sort of like she just kind of got tired of it. She's like, all right, well, all right, I guess I'll just totally end or destroy the edifice of this friendship. Because I didn't want to say, oh, I meant to say red. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> yep. So then I think Katie gets, like, aggressive with Jess, so Jess has to hit her with a tea kettle. Oh, um, yeah, I did laugh out loud at the tea kettle. Yes. I was like, ah. <laughs> there's Hot drinks. Do you like hot drinks now? <laughs> yeah. Th- thematic resonance of the hot drink <laughs> being her downfall. Oh, um, man. So then Nick comes over because he he realizes he has to protect jess from katie um or tell her i guess because it's not i mean i katie framed him for a lot of crimes but i don't know that she was necessarily to that point a danger to jess but i think he just needs to tell her like hey your friend's a a liar um and i heard she was in an institution some middle schoolers (laughs) told me (laughs) and they're never wrong about they're never wrong um, so yeah then he gets there and Jess, Jess has already run out the back door to right. get away from Katie but then she hears Nick like saying like Jess are you in here and he's on the phone he says I've called the police then immediately takes out his phone and says hello police mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like dude not, not your best bluff <laughs> um, and then he's like walking slowly through the the house trying to find jess and katie has a knife and it looks like she's gonna go and stab nick and finally get rid of the last obstacle in her path but then bam check off's pepper spray if you mention pepper <laughs> spray in the first act you gotta use it in the third act especially if and it's right gear yes like i'm pretty sure that that stuff is like at close range can blind you so <laughs> probably Katie is remarkably unfazed by this pepper spray when they take her out in handcuffs like 10 minutes later. Yeah, no one even ever really has like red eyes, really. Yeah, no. Like even Marco would probably still be feeling the effects of that stuff. Oh, sure. When he wakes up in his closet 10 hours later. (laughs) But yeah, she pepper sprays Katie. Uh, The cops show up. Uh, I guess 
while they were arguing, Katie, I guess, kind of she does like the the classic admits all of her crimes rundown, and then we see flashbacks where, like, they show her throwing the brick. Oh yeah, because she says something like, "I thought the brick would be enough to scare you," and then she's like, "You did that." And it's like, okay, Jess, you by now you probably should have like pieced together that your friend didn't actually get run down by your boyfriend. Right. Um, and then it shows all the scenes where it was actually her who did the killing. And I like how every time it like she pushes Marco and then it goes immediately to her face. Like the camera goes into his face. It's like, yeah, no, we get it. We, we know who it is. Uh, and it was me. And it was me. And it was me. Yeah. See, and that scene would have been great again if they, if the Marco thing just wasn't included. <laughs> and she gets to the end. She's like, well, what about Marco? And she's like, honestly, I don't know what happened with marco i think he just fell (laughs) he just fell but yeah and then nick is holding jess outside and you know they're comforting each other and they have katie walk like right past uh in handcuffs so i guess she's going back to the institution (laughs) one can only assume that she's gonna go back to the institution for overly violent children and adults (laughs) for stair pushers slash stranglers you know she was gonna add stabbing to her arsenal so you know Mm -hmm. that would have been a real game changer for her but unfortunately she wasn't able to do it and then i guess it cuts to some indefinite amount of time later is there anything it could be five minutes later could be six months later i assume it's it's gonna be like six months later yeah because now they're they're planning their own wedding oh symmetry um and Jess is like, I just want it to, to be perfect because it's ours. And then they get a knock on the door and there's a package um, of a single book. And Nick grabs the package and brings it in and they open it. And it was called like Fatal Friendship or something like that. Yeah. Which they should have feels... just called it Best Friends Betrayal. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that would have made sense. Why not? Also, like, this is super tasteless and tacky to me that they were like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to cash in and write like a. And then they dedicate the book to Anna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, says, like, Anna, that you died. Oh. Yeah, they're like, to a to a great friend, Anna. And then they look at each other and smile, and the credits roll. And everything's tied up, all tidy. That's right. All right, well, we've reached the point where we rate it one to five stars in terms of quality and one to five whatevers in terms of mockability. So what scale should we use for mockability? Uh, Hot coffees. That sounds great. (laughs) So what do you think in terms of hot coffees? How mockable is this movie? I would say it's like a 3.5 to 4 because there's so much of the movie is like, straight out of like if i was making a fake lifetime movie some of this dialogue would be included in my script so like as i was watching it i was having so much fun trying to figure out what the hell was going on so i i i enjoyed the badness of it i found it very easy to make fun of yeah i think i'd give it like a three i really liked that ridiculous cake with too many words on it (laughs) I loved that they hired an event planner when they could have just called a bookstore and been like, hey, could you put out extra chairs? Great. Thank you. (laughs) And it's a bonkers story, just like we hope these movies will be. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just remembering now. Uh, part of her event planning for the uh, book signing was being very particular about where the sign needed to go. So there was like Up. a sign with his no name down. and face on it, and she's like, "To the right, uh-huh. to the right, right, stop." Actually, more to the left. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what you get paid the big bucks for. Uh huh. What a goofy thing. Yep. <laughs> In terms of quality, I felt like everyone acted okay. Like, there wasn't anything super outlandish. So, like, maybe a two and a half? Yeah, I would be comfortable giving okay. it like a two and a half. There were a couple of times where it felt like... Uh, so, I think the the actor who played Nick had the most variance in, like, acting quality. Because there were moments where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's actually not too bad. And then other times where I was like, I think he's, like, literally reading the words off of his hand. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, overall, I didn't think it was that bad. I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of those kinds of movies where they had a script and then on the fly would just like change dialogue or, you know, kind of like a soap opera where you just kind of have to like go with it. Right. Even though you just got new lines that morning or something. No, now I like the idea of that, like the, the writer of the script is like like a Kubrickian madman who has a very particular <laughs> vision for his script and these poor actors and actresses are like you know you know like a, a main scene in this is that a drunk man falls down some stairs right like <laughs> is he the one that does like hundreds of takes to like kind of beat out whatever original instinct you had yes he's the one who made Sidney <laughs> pollock stand up and open a door like 150 times oh god well we did it we did we it the movie <laughs> We watched and talked about a movie. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on again. Hey, my pleasure. And good luck with the bar. Thank you. You at least know uh, more than this movie about the law, so you can always take comfort yes. in that. <laughs> I will make sure in one of my essays I'll be like, as seen in Best Friend's Betrayal, <laughs> you can avoid a trial, or you can, you can get a trial by getting a plea bargain. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back uh, next month, the second Saturday of the month. Uh, Not Another Bad Movie Podcast. Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, is where you can find us. Um, obviously, whatever you're using to listen to us now, another great place to find us. And if you want to throw us a dime, uh, patreon.com. Uh, just search for the podcast there. And I have a Twitter account. If you want to follow me, it's at, at N-A-B-M podcast. Uh, see you next month. Bye.